The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch crushing! Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. What's up and welcome in to Fantasy Baseball Today. I am Frank Sample, joined by Chris the Welsh. And we've got a fun one for you today. Impact prospects for the second half of the season. We'll do a futures game recap and, of course, Team Name Tuesday. Before we get started, please like this video and subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already. And if you're listening on the audio side, download, follow, and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. We really do appreciate it. Welsh, how goes it, man? I know you've been podcasting like a madman lately. Ah, just preparing. You're my favorite to podcast with. Don't worry. You're my favorite. And uh, got to do I mean, we've been we podcasted like uh, 18 hours ago or something like that. But uh, I'm actually taking a trip later in this week as a birthday present for kids and wife and everybody. We're going to California. So I'll be out at the Legoland, maybe Universal Studios. So there's a lot of pre prep that's going on. It's the good and the bad time. The good being, you know, there's kind of all-star break and everything. The bad being there's a draft and there's a million things to talk about uh, in preparation. But uh, I'm excited to talk about the second half prospects because as much as we think we know, we don't know. We have a list of like 10, maybe a couple more guys of impact prospects. But I've been thinking about this too, Frank. There's somebody that we're not expecting. And I haven't figured out who that is yet. You know, we, we identified the players. There's definitely a guy that's going to surprise us. That's going to come up and do something that we didn't just like Jackson holiday coming up to double a already after being drafted a year ago. I feel like we're going to have some surprise prospect that'll come up. Maybe it's September or something like that in preparation for getting an extra pick next year. But prospects have been the talk all season long and it's not going to stop in the second half. No, it certainly is not. And I cheated a little bit because a few of these names on this list, they've already exhausted prospect eligibility, but they're young guys and excited to see them hopefully make an impact in the second half as well. And yeah, you're right. I mean, I guess there's a chance we can get some kind of big name that maybe just jumps up from double A in September and still manages to keep prospect eligibility 
for next year so that they can be eligible for that rookie of the year, yada, yada, yada. But I don't know who it is, who it is either. I don't, like, there's no way like a Jackson Churio comes up, right? Like that would be insane. Well, I think Jackson Churio is one of those. I don't think I put him on this list. If Jordan Lawler doesn't get moved, Jordan Lawler is a possibility. I was staring at Pete Crow Armstrong. Those are like the top three of like the big, big guys. Here's the other one. And I had heard this actually floated around a little bit ago. So this will actually be the guy. This will be my official uh, claim of the players that could be the surprise. Evan Carter with the Rangers. Let's say there's an injury. Now, the thing that works against this is like, Leo Tavares has been awesome. Ezekiel Duran, freaking awesome. You know, they've got so much production out of it. If an injury comes in, I think as far as kind of stuff I was told, that there was a presumption that Evan Carter would be somebody, somebody that would have the potential to uh, help this team on the back half of the year. Uh, I've also heard Jack Leiter. So the Rangers are, you know, just a team that has a couple players are obviously competing really hard that they might push the chips in if the situation works itself right jack letter hasn't been phenomenal those are two guys uh but evan carter will be my official like surprise impact guy that we're not expecting the rest of this list i think makes a lot of sense in how we're going to lay it out all right so let's just jump in right there and those first two names that i mentioned they're they don't have prospect eligibility anymore but uh they are two very big names obviously grayson rodriguez with the baltimore orioles and oswald peraza with the yankees let's start with grayson rodriguez 59 percent rostered on CBS. We spoke about him last week. Well, we did an FBT and five that came out over the weekend. And since then, all Grayson Rodriguez did, I think he had another start, a short, a shorter one. It was like three shutout innings, whatever. Yeah. Seven starts since getting sent back down to AAA, a 1.69 ERA, a .99 whip, 54 strikeouts over 37 and a third innings, 13 K per nine. The numbers that he's putting up right now, this is the talent that we expected coming into the season. Uh, how long do you think it is before we see him up in the second half again? I, I think part of it might come down to like where they view their current rotation. Like push comes to shove, I think he could come back up now. I think you got what you were going to possibly get out of Grayson in the minors by sending him down. I think you've accomplished that. He had some really big swing and sw- swing and whiff numbers on his secondaries in his last two starts. I went, I think in that episode, I went and looked at that over his last couple starts. Fastball's better. Command looks like it's a little bit more on point. I just think you've gotten there. Maybe the worst thing is that last three inning start. Part of that was he walked three. And I know that was kind of a big problem. Uh, he's walked three in two of his last four starts in the minors. And since then, what is that? Eight starts. Four of those are three or more walks with a five walk in there. So what I'm getting is I just think this is the guy that they have. And however, I think they lowered the cutter percentage of where, how he's throwing that. And that's maybe part of the effectiveness that he's ready to go now. So then it's going to be a determination. Is he better than what they have in? If there's any type of injury or look for one of those back end guys, obviously not like Bradish or Wells, but uh, Cole Irvin, stuff like that. If there's struggles, then I think he would come up sooner rather than later. My guess is by August 1st, trade deadline. Maybe they're making some moves. As long as they don't do something to acquire, you know, there's an argument to be said with the amount of awesome prospects they have, they could be in the business to acquire and move some, and that would most likely be for pitching. That could halt him back and maybe put him in a bullpen role. But just for argument's sake here, I think he's accomplished enough that I'm going to say like August 1st, and he can be, you know, a good six weeks to two month contributor. And he would just be someone I'm desperately trying to roster if he's about, what'd you say, 56%? 59 
That's, I mean, I, I would I would be rostering him. Roster him well over a bunch of the other scrubby type of guys you could be putting on your bench and just like desperately trying to get a good start out of. I would rather be rostering him at it for his call up. Yeah, so we said last week we would drop Luis Severino, who's been struggling mightily to pick yeah. up a Grayson Rodriguez. Here's an interesting one for you. He looked awesome earlier in the year, but he's looked really bad recently. Taj Bradley, would you make the swap? Ooh, I don't think I would make the swap. Um, he has looked bad recently. I think he's done a good job of having the ups and downs. I mean, I guess you could worry that this team, this is another team that might need to make a move. You know, they got a glut of this infieldy type of guys. Uh, they've obviously got some rotational issues just with injuries in general that maybe they would want to make a move. I just don't think it's at the expense of Taj Bradley. They might, there might be a mechanical thing to fix. I don't think he's under really any innings constrictions or anything like that. I think he's a bit safer, even though it's been a little bit bad. I would go, Brad, you might've found the line by the way. Like of the questionable type of guys, like I think it's Bradley and then right there it's Grayson. I think you could find some better options to cut for Grayson. Yeah, and I think the problem is, as we've talked about a long time now with the Orioles position prospects, is that they have these veterans that have come up and are playing really well. Ryan O'Hearn and Aaron Hicks. And I'm looking at Cole Irvin's game log right now. I'm like, yeah, we're probably one Cole Irvin blow up away from Grayson Rodriguez getting called back up. And Cole Irvin has allowed three earned runs total over his last three starts. So he's actually pitching well, right? Like it kind of justifies him being in the rotation and it's just kind of frustrating while we're here waiting for uh, Grayson Rodriguez to get uh, called back up. But I do think, I think he's the top name right now. If he's available, go out, stash him. I think he could have a lot of value here over the final two and a half months or so for the Orioles. Are we forgetting somebody in the rotate? Like, what is the full rotation on there? I feel like we're forgetting someone that's a little bit more expendable because, like, Wells has been, like, phenomenal. Wells has been great. So they have Kyle Gibson. They gave him, I think, a multi-year contract, so I don't think he's going anywhere. Dean Kramer, you know, he's got an ERA in, like, the mid-fours, but, Mm. you know, he's been serviceable at times this year. Bradish, I don't think he's going anywhere either. So, I mean, yeah, it's really Cole Irvin and and Dean Kramer, I guess, if, if one of those guys gets blown up or... Feels a little bit more like Dean Kramer would be like the yeah. guy. But, you know, the, the other thing to think about, and this is a little bit of a worry, is maybe they feel he can contribute, but maybe it's treated similar to what the Diamondbacks did with Archie Bradley before he got hurt. Multi-innings. You know, they do have some questionable starters. If they feel that the front end of what you get out of Cole Irvin and Dean Kramer is better, that if something goes awry, you can get two or three innings out of a guy like Grayson Rodriguez who might be willing to punch his stuff up a little bit more. I do worry about that just a tiny bit, but, you know, that's a worry for later. The other name I mentioned here is Old Wald. Oswald Peraza with the Yankees. He's 16% rostered, much more widely available. He had that crazy hot run in late May, early June. I think he hit something like eight or nine home runs in like a 12, 13 game stretch. He was just on fire down there. He has slowed down a little bit recently, but Josh Donaldson has been really bad. He's batting 150. Mm. Uh, I saw on Sunday he was like rubbing his calf, and we know he has a uh, very you know, extensive injury history, so I guess that wouldn't surprise me. This, the Yankees' offense has been really bad without Judge, and I think at some point they might, might want to make a, a change here and call up Oswald Peraza in the minors. He's hitting 267 with 12 home runs, 11 steals, solid plate discipline as well. Well, do you think we could see Peraza here in the second half? Yeah, I think I think there's even been some rumors of them talking about mixing some of this up and overall on the roster. Like things are just not where they need it to be. Peraza hasn't been like phenomenal as of late since 
what is this, June 28th, he has four total hits in, uh, or no, no, I was looking at uh, singles here. Well, he actually only has four games where he's registered a hit. There's a couple multi-hits in there. Um, over his last five, he's only registered two hits. The home runs have been a little bit more sparingly, but kind of to your point, like, it's better than what you're getting out of Donaldson. And I think this team also is really trying to figure out what do they have in these guys. Something to be said as well, are they going to be willing to make a bigger move? And if they make a bigger move, I kind of think Peraza would be at the very forefront of what they would have to make that decision with if they're going to do like a bigger type of move. Yeah, there's little moves that they could do. They've got a, a, a litany of great like low and like high A type of uh, prospects, but... You know, that's a closer to major league ready guy that could get you probably a solid or decent major league ready hitter or a pitcher right now. So if they're going to make those moves or hitter, if they wanted more of a veteran style guy. But um, yeah, I think Praza either way and all of that is a bet that I want to have simply for playing time. We'll see what it materializes to as far as like the, the stats go. As you said, 11 stolen bases, 12 homers, hitting 267 since uh, over the 43 games in the minors so far, which is... Solid. It's not like phenomenal, phenomenal Oswald Peraza numbers, but he's still stealing bases. He's still hitting for some power. You'd rather have that than Josh Donaldson. Yeah, and it's a good point that you bring up too. It, it doesn't necessarily have to come with the Yankees, though. Again, as a fan of the team, I've watched they cannot hit right now. So I think they kind of need something to spark this offense right now. But even if they trade him away, maybe Oswald Peraza gets a chance to play for somebody else down the stretch this season. Two big name corner infielders, or I don't know. Just a position player. We, we don't know where Christian Encarnacion Strand is going to play, but he was a corner infielder coming into the season. Uh, that's the one that we've talked about all year. CES with the Cincinnati Reds waiting and waiting and waiting. And the other name here now that's emerged is Colt Keith with the Detroit Tigers. Uh, we'll start with Encarnacion Strand. Hit, had another multi-home run game the other day. He's up to 20 home runs in AAA, batting 321, OPS up over 1,000. StatCast data looks great. 91 mile per hour average exit velocity, 114 max EV. The problem now is there was an article written a couple of weeks ago by C. Trent Rosecrans, and he pointed out that Encarnacion Strand might not be up with the Reds unless there is A, an injury, or rosters expanded, which is September. So yeah. we might be and waiting until then. not by a lot, then. by the way. The roster, rosters expanded is like, I think they only moved it to one. It's not 40 anymore. It's like 26. Is it 26 or 25? Or 28. Or 28. I yeah, think, I think it's, 28. it's 28. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but either way, it's it's not much. You're right about that. No. Uh, the other name here is uh, Colt Keith, who recently got promoted to AAA. He's in the Tigers organization. He crushed it at AA. 325 batting average, 14 homers, a 977 OPS. He's played eight games at AAA. What has he done? He's batting 414 with two home runs, more walks and strikeouts so far. He turns 22 years old in August, and he's a name, Welsh, that kind of strikes me as they can call him up in September and maybe keep the at-bats down a little bit, still have prospect eligibility for next season, but I, I think September might be the time period for both of these names, Encarnacion Tran and Colt Keith. Okay, so with Colt Keith, here's the one interesting thing that happened over the last couple days, though. Jonathan Scope was designated for assignment, and that was one of those first things. Now, the problem is, is they've been giving the playing time where Colt Keith could go to Andy Abanez and Zach McKinstry. But those players' names are Andy Abanez <laughs> and Zach McKinstry. So is that the thing to keep away if they want to develop? Back to your point, teams definitely need to be a little bit more strategic about their approach with prospects on the back half of the year. <coughs> Excuse me, which is like, 
an inverted version of manipulation now. We no longer have the manipulation, I don't think, at the... F- we'll, we'll know this better over the next like three or four years, but we don't have the front end of the season manipulation. We now have it here, you know, between like June and August where, yeah, they could bring a guy up in August, but if they wait till September and he can't exhaust the eligibility, he could come up, start next year, and then they could get pick compensation. Uh, Keith is so impressive. He's the one guy that got to Jacob Mizorowski if you watch the um, Futures game. <laughs> he had a wild... Uh, Mizorowski was throwing, you know, 102 and crazy sliders. I did a show with Eno. I don't know if you heard this. Mizorowski had a stuff plus on his fastball over 200, Frank. It was <laughs> crazy. Like he said, like, that's not like a common thing. The rest were like 150, 160, blah, blah, blah. And Cold Keith was able to come inside on a, this nasty, disgusting slider that Mizorowski threw, which I just thought was like extra impressive. And Mizorowski just looked annoyed by it. He's like, how the hell did he hit that? But like, I think Cold Keith is ready to play now. He's not striking out. He's walking. He's hitting every ball in his way, but there might be manipulation. in it. But because of that and him being at AAA, we should pay attention to him. And maybe the Tigers are going to value the maturation of him in their lineup more than anything else. And I just don't know, outside of manipulating, Andy Abanez and Zach McKinstry don't keep a great player off the field. So, you know, if you're coming trade deadline, they don't move one of these guys and he is September. It's just the manipulating. I don't know what else we can say about Strand at this point. He has hits in 10 of his last 11 games. There's a bunch of multi-hits. He's hitting homers. He's hitting the ball super hard. And it was already spelled out for us. It's going to need an injury or there's going to have to be some type of, you know, maybe move that happens. But that, in my mind, doesn't mean you don't keep him. I, I would be shocked if it's September. They're going to find a way. But I also thought they were going to find a way two months ago. So what the, what do I know? Um, he's as good of a guy to bet on as Grayson Rodriguez. So the same thing holds. If I want to try to get that production, I'm stashing him. Because we also cannot predict when someone's going to get hurt. We can't predict if Joey Votto is going to strain something and be gone. If that happens, he's instantly up. Because he can play the corner outfields, he can be a DH, he could be a first base, and this team has versatility. So while there's no guarantee, he is the number one bet of any hitting prospect. The unfortunate part is what I don't know what we have here. Six hitting prospects, they could all beat him to it because it's simply about playing time and space for him, which is massively annoying. Yeah, it really is. And two points I think on both of these players for Encarnacion Strand, I think there's a chance, and I've talked about this. I don't think it's a smart move for the Reds to do this, but they could trade Jonathan India for pitching. Obviously, they're a team that could use some pitching and maybe turn India into like a Lucas Giolito or something like that. They bring in another established pitcher, and then what happens there? Matt McLean slides over to second base. We have Ellie De La Cruz at shortstop, and then boom, you have a spot for Encarnacion Strand to either play third, or you can move Spencer Steer back to third base. That's one possibility. And uh, when it comes to Colt Keith with the Tigers, Looking at the standings right now, I hadn't realized this. The Tigers are 11 games under 500. Well, guess what? That doesn't mean that you're out of it in the AL Central. They are only five and a half games out. So if they actually want to compete in their division, that might encourage them to call up Colt Keith and try and make a run at it. So uh, two little extra pieces there that I think can maybe help these guys get to the majors in Christian Encarnacion Trend and Colt Keith. You want to know a funny little anecdotal thing just real quick about Colt Keith? Um, Colt Keith, just in how impressive this is, someone was going to roll their eyes at this, but whatever. Um, he was trapped all of Friday. So he played on Saturday, right? And the futures game, that guy was trapped 
on flight in flight hell in the airport because his flight kept getting delayed. A friend of mine was doing a private signing with him and it was supposed to be on Friday night. He couldn't make it in because his flight kept getting canceled and canceled and canceled. So I think he got in like crazy late Friday or early Saturday morning when all the players were already there doing all this stuff, frustrated, late, all this stuff, didn't get to start the game, then comes in, hits. I just think like his poise that was just another little tiny anecdote. Like his just poise was so great. He was able to turn on. I think if the Tigers feel this is a guy that has to contribute at some point this year, they do it soon. Otherwise it's that manipulation of like, okay, yeah, we just push him off. But like he is better, I think than the starting options they have. And I would, I would rather them see him get developed at the majors for next year than try to push it any longer. But these are the weird bets we have with these second half prospects. Oh gosh, I'm kicking myself too, because I just looked into the first year player draft. It's, it's more of a rookie draft in the Scott White dynasty league, where we have some players, some prospects that are already established that are part of the draft. And Colt Keith Keith went 23rd in this year's draft. And I think I had 11th or 12th, and I took Gavin Cross, and I didn't want Gavin Cross. I got sniped with two players ahead of me, but Colt Keith was like on my short list of players I was considering. Yeah. And God, do I feel stupid right now? I, th- I think you had the pick in front of me, or two picks in front of me, if I remember correctly, or did I pass on him twice? Because I took, or I guess that would be the first round. No, he went in the first round then of that because I had like a higher pick. Yeah. You and I both had higher picks, and I think you sniped me on Cross. And I, you want I Gavin Cross? Because I don't want him anymore. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I'm okay. glad you said I don't know who I took. I don't remember who I you took, took, but you I'm took glad you said Chase DeLauder. You got him at 14th overall. I'm happy about that. No, I'm still good with my Chase DeLauder over Gavin Cross. I mean, Cross. look at this. The two names that I wanted just ahead of me. Junior Caminero went ninth overall. My gosh. I was mad about that, too. And then the very next pick, Spencer Jones from the Yankees. And I'm like, oh. Yeah. You and I were texting during that, and I remember being mad because I thought there was a chance I could get one of those two guys, specifically Spencer Jones. It didn't happen. I was surprised at Chase, because I had DeLauder over Gavin Cross, but there were some very big Gavin Cross believers, so I don't blame you. Gosh. you know, I was, went right after Gavin Cross? I was out at First Pitch Florida, so I, I had just gotten to the hotel. I was meeting up with like Nick Pollock and Eric Cross and all these guys, and so I started asking them, oh, who should I take in this rookie draft, blah, blah, blah. And a lot of uh, – Eric Cross was like, well, you got to take Gavin Cross. He's got oh, the same, I mean, he guy. was the biggest – Eric. he's like top five. Eric. He, uh, no, I was like, Eric Cross, Gavin Cross. He loved him, that na- namesake. Like, yeah. who went right after your pick? Uh, Jace Young from the Tigers. Uh, yeah, that looks better than Gavin Cross, too. Yeah, Jace Young, Drew Gilbert, and then you took Jace, Chase DeLauder. Oh, Drew Gilbert, I was so mad about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, oh, so these God. were – yeah, those all kind of hurt, Frank. But that's <sighs> the hindsight of first-year player. You know, we just yeah. talked – Last night, if anyone missed the episode talking about the draft and going through first year player, I also just did an episode on my Prospect One show. People want to check it out with James Anderson from RotoWire. And we just went through the first two rounds. And one of the crazy things is, is the amount that changes right now from the draft to the end of season is the same amount of crazy change that's going to happen from end of season to halfway through the next season. Like we think we know, but when you get full season runs of these players, you know, a lot of us are going to make decisions on like small sample sizes of the, you know, over these college and high school guys, but full season production tells us different stories. And some of these guys just can't hit and we kick ourselves. First year players, the most volatile place in fantasy. And it's definitely a place where we have regret. We look back and we have big regret. Uh, you know, now I've got to make myself better. And I'm looking into, oh, well, where did I get Jacob Mizorowski, right? And I got him in the third round. So that makes you feel a little bit better. That may but, make you feel very good. Oh, gosh. But well, whatever. 
Let's move on from this, and when we come back, uh, we'll take our first break. We'll talk about Ronnie Mauricio with the New York Mets. Well, I have another pitching prospect I want to talk about. We will do all of that right after this. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we'd go in-depth with player analysis on fantasy baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Are you interested in buying some Fantasy Baseball Today merch? Well, now you can at the Paramount Shop, which offers a mountain of merch from the Paramount shows and movies that you love. Scan the QR code in the top right corner if you're watching on YouTube or head to ParamountShop.com, Paramount Shop, where products are Paramount. And if you're watching us live... See this hat I'm wearing? Good old Fantasy Baseball Today hat. You can get exactly one of these over at the Paramount Shop. We keep hearing the name from the New York Mets, but it seems like they might be a little hesitant to promote. Ronnie Mauricio, who is currently 23% rostered, shortstop eligible on CBS. He's 22 years old and is having a very strong season in the minors. 77 games at AAA, where he's batting 302 with 12 homers, 14 steals, and a, an 8.52 OPS. He's lowered the strikeout rate tremendously this year. The stat cast data is bonkers for Ronnie Mauricio. Uh, Welsh, when do you think do you think we could see him? I, I don't know if it'll even happen because where's he going to play, right? I mean, uh, I guess it could be second base. They could move McNeil to the outfield. Obviously, it's not going to be shortstop with Francisco Lindor. Your thoughts on uh, Ronnie Mauricio? Now, one of the things they did recently, within the last two or three weeks, they worked him out a little bit in the outfield. And I think that's going to be kind of the play. So they're starting to get him out to find flexibility, trying to find ways to get him in the lineup. I'm starting to lean that Ronnie Mauricio at this point might be a guy that is September. If they want to make moves, this might be a spot. There are people that are torn on him. I did this uh, episode, a prospect one with uh, Jeff Ponce from Baseball America, and he was saying that you know he liked Arolvis Martinez with the Blue Jays, who's had some big swing and miss issues over Ronnie Mauricio, as Ronnie Mauricio was lowering his strikeout percentage still, hitting for more power, that there just might be kind of a, a non-consensus feel about him in the prospect world. So what I'm getting at is you get this guy who's hitting over 300 consistently for the year and has built up his value. That might be 
something that the Mets can take advantage of if they are going to compete, you know, really, really push. They might trade off everything and it doesn't matter. We've heard the Max Scherzer stuff, but if they want to make moves, everyone got on their case last year about not moving Francisco Alvarez. That could be something. So this is another one of those guys that could be playing somewhere else. So if they don't make any moves, I, I kind of think this would just be maybe a September thing where they want to start seeing what they have in players. Like assuming they, let's say they traded like Scherzer and they trade something else and they're just kind of playing their guys. Ronnie Mauricio would be a guy in September where they can control, get him out there. He hasn't really shown great plate presence. He's still got an under 5% walk rate which has actually kind of been lowering over years. It's great that the strikeout percentage has gone down, but I would love to see him. I think he makes pretty good contact. He's always had good power. His body has physically grown. I remember watching him in spring training as a 19-year-old in spring training games, just skinny. I think he got a hit in his first ever at bat. And I just think there's a pretty good offensive tool in here overall, but I'm not optimistic that it's going to be anytime soon unless something happens with this team. Yeah, it seems like the Mets outfield is pretty set right now, too. They've got Brendan Nimmo. They've got Starling Marte, Tommy Pham. Pham did leave with an injury over the weekend, which I will check up on. But uh, we know he's dealt with a lot of injuries in the past as well. If, if that turns into something, it's a groin issue. You know, if Tommy Pham lands on the IL and, you know, this team, again, they need a spark in their lineup and maybe they call up Ronnie Mauricio to do that. Uh, you know, they still have Dan Vogelbach, who's playing DH, so they can move guys around. If they really wanted Ronnie Mauricio up, they can do it right now. It just seems like yeah. they've been a little hesitant. You also wonder, like, they're still, like, consistently trying to figure out this whole Vientos Beatty thing that I think Vientos has played around with corner outfield stuff. That might be something that they, that's why this is kind of murky. Like, we know. Encarnacion Strand is the guy when something happens. Mauricio's kind of in, I think, in a similar situation, but we also don't know that he's the guy 100% because of like Vientos is still sitting out there. Uh, I think they should give him a shot, though. I feel really confident this would be a September thing. I just don't know. My I, my level of confidence is under 50 as far as like now till uh, August 31st. The Mets have the, of course, we know their payroll is insane. Biggest payroll in baseball history. Would you like to guess how many games they are currently out of the wild card, Welsh? Oh, um, of the wild card? Yeah. Seven? They are seven. <laughs> That's a great oh. call. Seven oh, games good. on the nose there out of the wild card spot right now. 18 and a half games back of the Atlanta Braves in the division. That's why I didn't even bring it up. <laughs> That's why I went straight to the wild card, because frankly, I don't think they have a shot at the NL East title. Let's move on to a, I guess we could talk about both pitching prospects here and whether or not, you know, how worried we are about this injury to Kyle Harrison. Um, we don't have many pitching prospects left. I mean, so many of them have already got called up this year. We talked about Grayson Rodriguez earlier. Kyle Harrison is with the San Francisco Giants, but he has a moderate hamstring strain that he was recently diagnosed with. So I don't know that they are going to push him. Um, and frankly, he's been really inefficient in the minors this year as well. The other name is Ben Brown with the Chicago Cubs. And speaking of Ben Brown, 12% rostered, 23 years old, a big dude, six foot six. He was awesome at double A earlier this season where he made four starts. Then he got called up to triple A. And what happened? I don't know. Everything that's kind of imploded here. 576 ERA, a 158 whip, still getting tons of strikeouts, but the walks are a massive, massive issue. Six walks per nine right now for Ben Brown. Uh, Welsh, your thoughts? The Kyle Harrison injury and, you know, whether or not the Cubs would want to call up Ben Brown considering how much he struggled at triple A. 
I've been really indifferent about Kyle Harrison all year. He's just started so bad, so bad, just getting lit up left and right. His fastball put up huge stuff plus numbers, but everything else, location plus garbage. He found some like rhythm for a little bit, but now you've got injuries. He is averaging seven walks per nine. At this point, you know, I, I wrote Kyle Harrison into this in this conversation, but the more I'm thinking about it with this injury, I actually think the best case scenario might be that long relief again, that what they would want to get out of a guy like Kyle Harrison would maybe be a piggyback situation with a player. Um, and they do two that. Or three innings. Relief. They do that. And they lot. do. Yeah. They do that with like now Ross the, Stripling and like Alex Wood and stuff. So now the only plus about that would be, let's say Alex Wood, for instance, goes three and he's your starter. And then Kyle Harrison comes in. You would have opportunities at wins if he were to be a guy like that. His strikeouts are awesome. The walks are a disaster. It's kind of similar-ish with Ben Brown. Like you said, the walks in AAA are at six per nine. His strikeouts have been elite. It's just also why you have to hold back a little bit with guys in AA. This is the prospect process. Three months ago, two months ago, people were like, Ben Brown, Ben Brown. I was even, Ben Brown, Ben Brown. He's amazing. He's amazing. Cubs, Cubs. And then this has been gross. You know, AAA has not been a good return. You know, the funny thing, I was looking here at my top 100 for my prospect list. And we have exhausted just about every pitcher that is really viable. Um, Ricky Tiedemann has had an injury for a majority of the year. And I don't know, as far as I've kind of been told, like it's not looking good for any immediate return. Andrew Painter got worse news. Those are the top two pitching prospects. They're not available. Then you've got young guys. Tink Hens, Cardinals are a disaster. So I'm going through here. Who are the only options inside my top 100 to make it to the majors. It's Ben Brown. And then I'll throw another name I didn't throw at you just because of this last performance, but maybe Mick Abel. Mick Abel has not lit the world on fire in the minors as far as AA goes this year. He's got a 4.75 ERA, 70 strikeouts in 60 innings. But this Futures game, he did put up, again, it's like small sample size, four of his five pitches had 100 10 stuff plus or higher three of the four 120 stuff plus shorter inning so this is coming back again to like maybe they you know phillies are trying to go for something maybe mick abel could help them maybe it's in relief maybe it's a starter i think mick abel and ben brown are the biggest named guys but you have to really start to dig and unfortunately the production is not great emerson hancock has not been good dodgers have some guy river ryan could be a player but i still don't think that's a starter so just like reiterating to what you said We've kind of just gone through a lot of the rookie prospects. It would Everything else would be a shock and maybe more sadly, everything else of any of the guys that could come up might just be piggyback or relief situations for teams that are competing because, you know, what is it going to do for teams to bring up a starter and start their clock on the back half of the year? Like, that's why Tink Hens is like just a non-option to me unless it's one or two starts in September. All right, so let's slide over back to the hitters and look at the Oakland A's who could begin their youth movement as well with Tyler Soderstrom and Zach Geloff. Tyler Soderstrom, uh, 15% rostered. He's actually first base eligible on CBS now. You might have heard the name over the years. He was a catcher, kind of went back and forth, catcher, first base, DH. Uh, This year, he's actually played a few more games at catcher once again. But if you're projecting forward, the A's have Shea Langoliers, 
I feel like Soderstrom is probably going to wind up either playing first base or DH for the team. This year in the minors, he was batting 254 with 20 home runs, and the exit velocity is actually really good for Tyler Soderstrom. Zach Geloff is the other name here. Actually, somebody we saw out in the Arizona Fall League uh, so far this season, batting 304 with 12 home runs, 20 steals, so some power and speed, a 929 OPS. The problem with both of these guys, Welsh, the strikeouts. Strikeouts have been an issue for both of them, so we could be looking at a lower batting average, but potentially some big pop with Soderstrom and maybe a little power speed with Zach Geloff. Yeah, I actually think these two are both in a spot where obviously the team doesn't want to start like anything. They're just a disaster overall. But it's also like they're not served. There's What more is served to... Uh, Tyler Soderstrom played some games in AAA last year. What more is there? Uh, Geloff did the same thing. Actually, Geloff had a couple of bats in AAA in 2021. They played in the Fall League. I think both of these guys are guys that are not being are not going to quote be saved. I think Soderstrom could actually do similar to like uh, Henry Davis, where majority is at first or DH, and then like all of a sudden he throws a game at catcher. You know, Henry Davis just did that the other day. I think he was a replacement catcher. I think you could see that because he wants to play. I just think he's a crazy bat. You could throw right into four or five. Put him four or five. He's an RBI guy. Huge EVs. Don't love the strikeout stuff, at least the contact at 254, but it's almost a 300 ISO. He's hitting the ball harder than he's ever done. So this is a great source of homers and RBI where Geloff has just become a more consistent hitter. Hitting 304 in AAA, he hit 257 last year. Strikeout percentage is down a little bit. Walk percentage is almost double what it was last year. And he has almost more stolen bases this year than his entire career prior to this. He has 20 stolen bases. Prior to this year, he had 23. So he's becoming a more efficient base dealer. He also can move around positionally really well. I kind of think Geloff will be the first one up and then Soderstrom. And if the power is there with Geloff, which we saw a little bit in the AFL, um, I think he could be a really, really fun, more of a 5 toolie guy. We'll see. And uh, Tyler Soderstrom is your big power option. But I think both of these are better bets for production. I just don't think it's more impactful than what we would get out of Strand if he were to come up at the same time or Colt Keith. I think those guys would be more impactful. That's why they're higher. Yeah, I'd agree with that, too. And obviously, the team context with the Oakland A's, the ballpark, it's not a good park to hit in as well. But those guys yeah. are making some noise in the minors right now. Again, Soderstrom and Zach Geloff. You mentioned Henry Davis just recently, and we know there's another catcher prospect in the Pirates organization in Andy Rodriguez, also 15% rostered on CBS. 65 games at AAA this year. He's been a letdown. There's no other way to say it. 258 batting average, five homers, four steals. The plate discipline looks really good. The stat cast data, not so much. We know he was really impressive last year. The final, you know, two months of the season, Andy Rodriguez was a beast. And coming in this year, you know, we thought maybe he's a, a May or June call-up, something like that. And it just really hasn't worked. Uh, Welsh, what are you seeing from Andy Rodriguez? Do you actually think we see him in the second half? Yeah, I do think we see him in the second half. They talk, He got a decent amount of run in the Futures game. They were talking about you know how the team wants to and still views him as a main catching option over Henry Davis. But the bat just hasn't been there. I actually had someone at the game texting me being like, Andy Rodriguez is a lot smaller than I thought he was. And, you know, that's to whatever that truly is at the end of the day, people fell in absolute love with him. I never loved him as much as everybody else, but he had a big power output last year that has just kind of 
dissipated. You know, I mean, what did he have last year? 16 homers at high A, eight at double, and he had one at triple A. He has five total homers this year at triple A, but the walk and the strikeout percentages have gone. He's just made worse contact. But I think that's something this team will still want to really get like a good look at. Can he control and can he work these pitchers? Um, Do we want him there? He's also played some other positions. He's had some flexibility and I think that's worthwhile. So yeah, I do think this is a guy, you know, post futures game that we see here in the very near future. I just don't know if it's going to be crazy impactful, but at a catcher position, if he were to start getting some playing time in some other spots, it kind of becomes a Henry, uh, Henry Davis situation again, where it's like, oh, he's playing more. You know, maybe Henry Davis catches a game, Andy catches a game, they keep Austin Hedges around. You know, they, they can manipulate this. And if he does get his bat going, remember, he's a smaller guy, but he hit 20 homers last year. That potential power is still in his bat. Yeah, and we know the bar is so low to be viable uh, at the catcher position in fantasy baseball, yeah. right? It's You don't really have to be a great hitter to actually have value in fantasy baseball. And I know you mentioned we could maybe get more plate appearances, more games from Andy Rodriguez, because like Henry Davis, he can play multiple positions. I'm looking uh, this year, he's played mostly catcher. He's got eight games at first base, but... Last year, Andy Rodriguez played 18 games at second base. He's got some games in the outfield in his minor league career, so he can move around. If he comes up and hits well, they could throw him at second. They could put him in the outfield, play catcher, DH, whatever. Uh, But the plate appearance opportunities would be there for Andy Rodriguez. He also played first base in the Futures game, just pointing that out, too. Like, he didn't even play catcher. He was playing that. uh, He might have actually jumped in at one point, but he was playing first base there. Uh, Key Brian Hayes on the IL, you know, roster manipulation. He's just, those, those are valuable players. If the Cardinals decide to sell, which, hey, we're at the All-Star break and they are 14 games under 500, 11 and a half games out of first place in the National League Central, it, that means we could see shortstop Mason win in the second half of the season. 11% rostered on CBS and he was a second round pick back in 2020. He is 21 years old, 81 games at AAA this year for Mason Wynn, batting 266 with 10 homers. 15 steals, 940 OPS. The plate discipline looks pretty good there. Statcast data, not great. He's kind of like a smaller middle infield type. I don't know that we're ever going to see big exit velocities from him. Another player we saw out in the Arizona Fall League, Welsh, and I remember seeing him. The arm is tremendous. He's a wizard defensively. He's really fast, too. It's just a matter of how much is he going to hit, how much power is he going to hit for, and what would you say to that? Yeah, I think there is 15-plus homer power in him. He's got 10 homers in 81 games this year. If you take double-A AA and triple-A, that's a little over a full season. That's 21 homers over his last two stops. He steals bases. He had 28 last year. He's up to 15 this year, so his base stealing has gone down a little bit. He is like, defensively ready now. He can play shortstop at a major league level right now. One of the best arms in the minors. That's without question. He's fast. The hit tool's just been behind. I think that's what held him behind. And also, like this team just has at every spot, just a glut in that middle infield. Paul DeYoung came up and started being good. But guess what? If they're selling, do we think Paul DeYoung is going to be sticking around? Tommy Edmonds injured? You know, they, there's flexibility for this team to get Mason. Nolan Gorman. Nolan Gorman has found some struggles as well. They may want, and I think you 100% want to see what you have out of Mason Wynn. This isn't a guy that you're saving for next year or anything like that. That you want to see, is he ready to be your starter? Him and uh, Jordan Walker, best friends. That I really do think you're going to see him 
it's just, again, it's like, what will that production look like? I think it'll be minimal homers. I think he's going to hit at the bottom of the order, which is going to kind of stink for your fantasy teams. But this team is not a let, not afraid to let guys run. And I think he could run a bit more. And his defensive prowess will keep him in that lineup if they do sell off pieces for the rest of the year. So I think you can get middle infield production. That's hopefully better than like, you know, bench placement. And if he could steal... I don't know, 10 to 15 bases in the second half, which might even be a little bit more aggressive than where he was here and hit a few homers and there's good contact. Maybe next year he hits higher. Uh, The downside him, probably of the list of all the guys we've talked about, I think he'd probably hit the lowest of everybody on this team. All right. Again, that is Mason Wynn with the Cardinals. The last two names on this list, perhaps a little bit more unheralded in Outfielder slash third baseman Justin Henry Malloy, he's with the Tigers, and starting pitcher Robert Gasser, who is with the Milwaukee Brewers. Justin Henry Malloy came over in the Joe Jimenez trade with the Atlanta Braves this offseason. 81 games to AAA, batting 276 with 14 home runs and 870 OPS. Big walk rate, 16% walk rate. So the OBP should be good for Justin Henry Malloy. And Robert Gasser, a 24 year old. He came over to the Brewers in the Josh Hader trade last year and a triple A, a 394 ERA, 123 whip, well over a strikeout per inning, 10.7 K per nine left-handed pitcher. He's got a low arm slot read that he has a really impressive sweeper, you know, low nineties with the fastball. So maybe more of like a high floor pitcher than like a crazy ceiling guy, but Welsh, any thoughts here on Henry Malloy and Robert Gasser? Yeah. I mean, this is like the Henry Malloy stuff is just kind of back to that Colt Keith thing. I think this team would be best served getting both of these players up now and seeing what they have in them for next season, not throwing them into the fire for their first major league stint or giving them 50 at bats at the back half of the year. Get them significant. Get them 200 plus at bats. You know, if we even have that, if they can get that through the end of the year, Malloy is a really solid. I think he's one of like kind of likened him to like a Lourdes Gurriel. Hit him in the middle of the lineup. He's got some decent pop. We're seeing more pop from Goriel this year. He runs just a tiny bit, doesn't run a ton, only three stolen bases this year, but he's a great middle-of-the-order contact hitter. That's what he does. He's also pretty versatile in where he plays. He used to be a second baseman in college, listed at third base. He plays left field. He played some awesome left field in the AFL. More versatility. This is a great guy to get in the lineup now. And I think he could be kind of sneakier production because in that Tigers lineup, I actually think they could put him higher very early on. And again, keeping like Andy Abanias over these guys I don't like. And Gasser, you know, we don't know if they're going to make any trades, if they're going to move any of these arms, the injuries. Uh, Woodruff is still trying to come back, not back till August. You've also got theoretical issues long-term with Peralta, then maybe Gasser is going to get a run. I think every single pitching prospect we've talked about could just be more relief helping, but spot starts may, might make sense. Gasser, some good spin, like you said, good sweeper. I think he can do some strikeouts. That might be a decent spot. I would probably only, if he got called up, I'd be looking for him for like plus matchups, not like even like mediocre, but like plus matchups is where I'd want to start him to see where he goes, but he might be uh, viable for a rotation spot next year. Again, that is Robert Gasser, a pitcher with the Brewers, and Justin Henry Malloy, an outfielder slash third baseman with the Tigers. Let's take our final break. When we return, we'll talk about the names that just missed the cut. I'll ask the Welsh about a few names I had written down. Futures game recap. We'll do that right after this. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. 
Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back into Fantasy Baseball Today and I've got some names written down here. Ones that I think just missed the cut. Will we see them in the second half? I guess there's a chance, but I'll just quickly run through here while you give me some quick thoughts on each. Connor Norby with the Baltimore Orioles. The problem right now is where does he play? Is he maybe used as trade bait with another team? Your thoughts? Yeah, I think that's right there. I think, like, I don't know where he plays. We already were trying to figure out, like, where Kowser is. I know people are kind of screaming about Kowser right now. He's a disappointment, whatever. I think he's going to be fine. You got Jordan Westberg. I don't know where he plays, but it's sneaky power with him. Um, He had a huge year last year. I think he's running a little bit less than he did. More of a second baseman. I think he can probably play outfield for them. But I just don't know where he fits. Trade bait even feels better. If he were traded... I would get a little bit more excited because I'd assume any team that's trading for him would try to get him in the lineup immediately. He would be at the top of the, he'd be near the top of the list if I found a more viable spot for him to produce this year. Again, that's Connor Norby with the Orioles. The next name up is actually one that I was stashing for a while. Sal Freelich with the Brewers. The problem, he's just not hitting. (laughs) I mean, that's supposed to be his calling card, right? We hear... We heard Stephen Kwan comps about uh, the contact, the batting average. Maybe he's got a little bit more pop and speed than a Stephen Kwan. But, well, it's the problem. He's just not hitting in the minors right now. Yeah, uh, tw- uh, 33 games. He has one homer, six stolen base. This is in AAA with a 231 batting average, a sub-100 ISO right now. I mean, he is lost. He is built off of heavy contact, that ha- contact maybe generating at least average power and stealing a few more bases. None of it's there, and he's not compensating it. You know, we talk about some of these players sometimes and when they don't hit for power, they compensate it by maybe stealing a little bit more bases. But he can't steal when he's not getting on base. So this has been pretty rough. It's kind of been a big downfall since the WBC from injury to a really, really poor season. I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see him at all this year and they send him out to the Arizona Fall League maybe due to some missed time, uh, you know, maybe working on a few things because he he looks a little bit lost. I'm, I'm not optimistic we see a bunch of him this year, if any. The Tampa Bay Rays, they had a few names that we were excited about coming into the season. I know Curtis Mead has dealt with a lot of injuries so far this year. Kyle Manzardo, the batting average is not where we want it to be right now. Uh, well, so you think there's any chance we see Curtis Mead or Kyle Manzardo? Maybe it's also with another team. Yeah, the other team thing, you know, that's funny. When we were talking about all the trade stuff, I don't even think I was like considering Mead or Manzardo. But if they're going to make an impactful move, both of these guys would be there. Manzardo, um, also, I think it's personal stuff going on in his life and the batting average has kind of gone down. I'm not chalking a whole bunch up there. I think he's still great. Strikeouts are a little bit up, but he's walking a little bit more. He's been a little bit lucky on BABIP. He's been a 330 plus guy at every level. He's down to 269 so far this year in AAA. Um, 
I think there's a possibility we see him maybe on the back half of the year as a September call-up. I say the same thing would go on with Curtis Mead because he was struggling before the injury and he like just got back. So I don't, I don't see these guys as options significantly unless they traded other pieces and they needed to start, you know, replacing that. Like, I don't know why they wouldn't trade Yandi, but you know, if they traded like, um, a Ronda and Bruhan and they didn't have flexibility. Maybe they would want a guy like Curtis Mead who can also play first or second. Manzardo's a little bit tougher to fit in there, but I think maybe they might want to try his bat out on the back half of the year, especially if there's injuries. So I guess I'd both give them like a 25% chance before September. And I would put them both over like 55 to 60% in September at some point. So that's not like super impactful for fantasy. What about the potential return of Matt Mervis? Well, so you think we could see this happen in 16 games since getting sent down to the minors? He's batting 264 with three home runs and a 946 OPS. Do you think we see him back up with the Cubs? Yeah, I definitely think they're going to, they're not going to want to end the year on the note of him being sent down. I 100% think we're going to see him, but it just comes back to that like, what is this going to look like? What has he worked through that's gotten better? Obviously, he's walking more. Obviously, he's striking out less. But I think we're in a weird period with him right now. I think we're in this like quad A ish type of thing. And what's the separator? Because what jumps out to me when you see a guy have atrocious, like K numbers, not walking, not doing what we saw in the minors, and then go back and then just go revert right back to where they were. He clearly owns AAA. He has not figured out major leagues. We're like a we're like a full year away from calling like quad A, but I don't know where that's going to change. So what we do need to see is him come back. I think it's a great sign that, you know, the K percentage went way back down and he's walking a ton and the power numbers are coming up, but he's not hitting for great contact. So what type of impact is that going to be um, that, you know, he might actually kind of belong a little bit higher on this, like top impact prospects in the second half, simply because I think he has a better chance to get a lot more run. And if he writes the ship, He's going to be, he would be on par with, you know, Encarnacion Strand if we see more of that AAA version of him. Yeah, he probably could be Matt Mervis in that same tier that we started with of Grayson Rodriguez and Oswald Peraza, right? It's guys that we've already seen in the majors, but, you know, he's going to get called back up and, and potentially have an opportunity there with the Cubs. One quick note on Matt Mervis. I was... I have a, a notepad on my phone from when I went out to the Arizona Fall League and, you know, I was watching some games and just kind of taking some notes or whatever. And I wrote, Matt Mervis, sock and the shoe Saturday. He hit a home run, stole a base. I also wrote, had some really bad swings too. Yeah. So, you know, maybe that's something I should have paid more attention to. We saw the home runs and the AFL were like, you know, enamored with this guy. But Majestic is the word I use. He had this one in in, uh, surprise that I have video of where it was just not a good pitch and it looked like he hit a fly ball up, but he hit it so far. It wasn't like a just barely homer. He absolutely murdered it because it's majestic. But you are right about that. And it's something I said a while back. You don't want to get too focused on it, but he got some pretty nasty swings. Like if you pitched him, I don't know if he picked up like really good off speed, that off speed that like starts in the zone and comes out. Like, I think he did a good job of like the lower half, like let's say a change up and it cuts out. He could see that, but that stuff that really breaks, he didn't do a good job about that. And he was a lot more susceptible lower in the zone. And I think maybe we're also seeing, which is a big, like big power guy, like guys that are trying to cheat to hit for homers, that high velo, that's kind of been a problem. I think he's having both of those issues right now of like low off speed and high velo not catching up to. And that's what you hope he's working on and being able to fix in the minors right now. 
Last but not least, I have the Yankees written down here. I think it's much more likely that they go out and trade for some major league talent that can help their offense right now. But if they don't, Welsh, is there any chance that we could see an Austin Wells? I know Everson Pereira was recently promoted to AAA, and he's off to a nice start there as well. Any chance that we, you think we could see some of these guys with the Yankees? I don't think we see Pereira... I never say never, you know, like the huge hard hit numbers and stuff like that. And ironically, I think there's a better likelihood we see Austin Wells, who's a double A than we would Pereira. If I was a betting man, I'd say nope on either one of these. But I think it would be Wells if I was taking a bet. I think they've kind of I feel like they've slow rolled uh, Pereira a little bit. September there's always a possibility for either one of these guys, but nothing I'm betting on unless they were, you know, like you said, like selling the house. These guys. Here's a better way to put it better opportunity for them to play in the majors with another team than the Yankees this year. Right. Yeah. I, I heard rumors that the Cardinals might be taking some calls on their outfielders and immediately my mind went to, wow. I mean, if the Yankees could get their hands on Lars Newbar, <laughs> I would absolutely go crazy, but I don't even know if that's something that's being discussed I think, or whatever. I think by taking calls on their outfielders, that's Tyler O'Neill. I think that they're taking yeah. calls on Tyler O'Neill is what they're doing to move that off. And you know what? Tyler O'Neill is exactly the type of player that Brian Cashman loves. Strikeouts, injuries, home runs. He would fit in perfectly with the New York Yankees. So mark my words, by August 1st, Tyler O'Neill will be in pinstripes. Let's wrap up here with the Futures game recap. Uh, the National League side won the game 5-zip. Seems like it was a little bit uneventful Welsh, but maybe that's just because yeah. there wasn't much offense going on. You know, maybe there was a lot to take away from the pitching side of things. Only 11 hits combined from the two sides. We'll start with the hitters. Things that stood out to me, Reds prospect Noel Marte, he stole a base in this game. Red Sox prospect Marcelo Mayer had a hit and a stolen base as well. Tyler Soderstrom had a single and a walk. Uh, Colt Keith, you talked about how he had a hit in this game. He also had a walk. His teammate, Justin Henry Malloy, had two walks. And Marlins prospect Nassim Nunez, who was, I believe, named the MVP of the game, had a yeah. three-run double and a stolen and base anything that stands out from that group not really i mean offensively no i you know noelvi was the one thing i kind of walked away with with you know because we just i see him kind of like all the time and i've been very picky on him about just like he looks very stiff in the afl and he's getting bigger and i've kind of talked about like him adjusting to his body i think has been really difficult he just looked know more comfortable he looked better more athletic than he's looked in quite a while and i just hadn't seen that and i that was very i I felt very optimistic about that the stolen base the contact because he still got that crazy raw power i don't know if he's ever going to be a high contact guy but i I just feel like we should be a little bit more optimistic about him you know the negative side was jordan lawler was 0 for 2 with two strikeouts and churio was 0 for 4 with two strikeouts which stood out to me but this was a pitching game and i pulled up not to jump past here if you wanted to go to pitching or anything like that, but um, the stuff plus numbers I was telling you about, are you ready for the two really exciting stuff plus pitching numbers from the uh, futures game? I am ready. So these are Eno. Eno gave these to me. And Jacob Mizrowski, by the way, there's this funny anecdotal thing which StatCast said he threw a fastball, curve, sinker, and cutter, and he disagreed and said, nope, it's a fastball, curve, slider and a changeup. So I think they registered his changeup as a sinker and his slider as a cutter. Here are his stuff plus numbers from this game. Fastball 206, which is crazy. His sinker, which technically it's rated so high cuz they think it's a sinker but it was a changeup, 167. 
his curveball 131 and then I guess would be his whatever they're calling it uh, cutter or whatever uh, yeah cutter a 91 stuff plus but a 206 fastball with a 167 sinker was his numbers, which was crazy. And then on top of it, Mick Abel, who I was telling you about before, he had a, I think it was a curveball 129 stuff plus, fastball 121, changeup 120, and slider 114. Those were the two kind of big stuff plus standouts from that game. Yep, good stuff there, and good to know. And if anyone else li- listening out there or watching, trying to figure out what stuff plus is, it's a, a metric that's used to obviously measure these stuff, but it looks at all different kinds of things from like spin and the shape of the pitches. And it's a metric that you can find on fan graphs and basically 100 is league average and anything over that is obviously, you know, really, really good. So when we're talking about a 200 stuff plus on a fastball, that's just completely ridiculous. Spencer Strider, I think is in like the one fifties with his fastball. So yeah, it's like crazy. It's just measuring. And, and, you know, we'll talk about how like they, it doesn't do a great job at like measuring changeups. And then like sometimes it like guys that throw fast, big fastballs, they just get big ratings and stuff like that. The only other pitcher that I, I think is worth noting that people should pay attention to. And I've talked about a lot. He was in the AFL Carson Wisenhunt through 10 pitches, nine were strikes probably the best changeup. I'm in, I was in love with his changeup in the AFL and he just, boo, just dollied that thing over. And Jackson holiday on the broadcast was asked about it. And he was like, listen, he's like, I knew it was coming. He's like, I just couldn't do anything about it. It was a really good pitch. Like he was acknowledging that Carson Wisenhunt's changeup is just crazy. And he was a strike machine in that game. Giants pitcher. Very impressive. All right, let's wrap up here. Welsh team name Tuesday. Here's how it works. I'm just going to read off some team names. If you have any reaction, feel free to share it. If not, we'll just got to keep it moving. So uh, obviously we get some pretty fun ones. And these were from last week. So I think some of them are even like July 4th related. So I do apologize, but there is so much crazy stuff that happened either on the Monday before or actually on July 4th. Anyway, let's just yeah. get into it. This is from at Smoke Signal on Twitter. Bybee Yuri Firework. <laughs> <laughs> I love that one. I read it as like BB too. I want to read it like that. BB, you're a Yuri firework. Oh, that's all right. That's number one right now. That's number one. That's uh, of course the, the Katy Perry classic out there from Rosenberg. And uh, I guess I'm supposed to read this in an Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Casas Bautista, baby. Yeah, Casas Bautista, baby. <laughs> uh, uh, BB is still number one. All right. From Jeff. Yuri mean one, Mr. Hinch. Uh, <sighs> that's the new number one. I love the Grinch. That, you're, you're, that's a fantastic one, Jeff. Good job. From Gavin, Ellie De La Cruzin. Solid. Very, that, very solid. That's about as relevant as ever after this past weekend with all those, uh, all those stolen bases against the Milwaukee Brewers. From Matt, he's got four different names here. Stop the presses. Okay, good. Can I have a free lick of your ice cream? <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. Nope, but okay. Here's a minter for your breath odor. Creative. <laughs> and Wu-Tang McClanahan. Ooh, that's that's a good one. That's a really, really, really good one. That is a classic. These are from Derek. Just Dingers Martinez. Okay, that's solid. Which I didn't know that's actually J.D. Martinez's nickname, but... It's his nickname, apparently. Oh, Just Dingers? Just Dingers. Martinez, yeah. Oh, I didn't, I didn't know that either. Also very, very relevant this year. He's been amazing. 
This is a Selena reference. Baby, baby, boom, boom, baby, baby, boom, boom. <laughs> now someone take that and loop it and make it a song, please. Absolutely do it. And uh, you know, anytime we can get a Matt Beatty reference on here too. Uh, why, I guess that could be Brett Beatty too. Why did they go with Matt Beatty? Oh, I was thinking it was, you know what? I'm with you on that. Yeah. I was thinking Matt Beatty. They, they spelt it out like Matt Beatty, but uh, you could obviously go with that. It might have been, yeah, Brett. Yeah, you're right. This next one is Dylan Sheesh. <laughs> I like it. It's fun. And Big Kahuna Burger. I know this is like a Pulp Fiction thing, but how does it relate to baseball? Am I missing something? Uh, um, Yeah, I don't... Is there a the... player with a nickname Big Kahuna? There might be. I don't know. Well, maybe it's like a Jake Burger type of thing. Ah, uh, yeah. You might be right but, about that. Yeah, Big Kahuna is definitely... That's the burger that they ate in Pulp Fiction. But yeah, yeah I'm not sure. Outside of uh, Jake Burger, I don't know what the reference is. From John, these are SpongeBob themed. And the first oh. one is the Flying Rutchman. Okay. The Chum Pucket. <laughs> yeah, I like that one. Freedle-deedle-deedle. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm very fresh. My, my daughter told me the other day she's six years old and she thinks she's too cool for school now. And she, we mentioned SpongeBob. She's like, oh, I hate SpongeBob. I'm like, no, you don't. And she, that's all we watch for years and years and years. She's like, oh, who do I'm like, you don't. You just think you're too old for it. SpongeBob is the best. And that one's very good. It's so funny because I remember that time period in my life where it must have been junior high school or something, right? Where I'm at the point where, you know, uh, I'm too old for superhero stuff. Like, that's not cool anymore. And then by the time I got to high school and college, like, everyone came back with superhero graphic tees, and it was, like, the coolest thing. And I don't know. It's just everything kind of goes around in a circle eventually. Did I tell that? I'll do it really, really quick. But did I, I don't know if I told this yesterday, I really apologize. Did I tell you about the CBS producer thing on air? Not on air, but you told me off air. I'll just do it real quick because it's a funny anecdote to what you just said. Uh, on this, after the first segment, I'm I'm just still waiting, and I'm on my phone, and one of the producers comes on and goes, uh, "Hey, Chris, can this is blah blah blah? Can I ask you a question? Or we got a question for you?" And I was like, "Oh, great! What did I screw up? They're gonna tell me. Hey, could you stop being awful and be better?" And he goes, "Is." is that a uh, Walking Dead graphic com- graphic comic behind you? Graphic novel? And I go, yeah, it is. That's funny. He's like, are those others graphic novels too? Like Marvel? And I'm like, yeah. And then we got on like a 10-minute conversation with two different CBS producers because they were so excited that I had all these graphic novels. And that's where we are right now. We, <laughs> we think we're adults, but we're really just kids. Yeah, th- that is absolutely true. Coming from somebody who owns every single Pokemon game ever made, I can confirm what yeah. you just said. Uh, this last one here is a Yu-Gi-Oh one. Uh, this is from my boy Frank. Thank you, John. I appreciate that. Bayo Eyes Wit Dragon, which is great. Uh, Welsh, I know you're not a Yu-Gi-Oh nope, guy. I don't know what that means, but it sounds fun. But the famous Blue Eyes White Dragon, it's a... Uh, Great. Love it. We're going to continue playing the Yu-Gi-Oh! drop very much so in the second half. This last group is from Neil, and he starts it off with the Nestor Endy story. Okay. Never-ending story. I like it. Okay. You didn't see the never-ending story, did you? Absolutely not. Growing up. When, no. uh, <laughs> when they started singing the song in Stranger Things, the never-ending story, uh, I refer to that as the Stranger Things song. Not the Never Ending Story <laughs> song, so oh, yeah. that should give you a little bit more of my background. Uh, ha Song of Bryce and Fire. Okay. That, that's that's a good reach. It's pretty good. Uh, song of Ice and Fire. Yeah. Assistant to the Regional McManager. <laughs> oh, my gosh. 
That's pretty good. It's, uh, if Scott was here, he would be rolling his eyes all the way in the back of his head. When, when people try too hard, Scott gets so frustrated. It's, it's oh, so you know what's funny about that? Then like either some people are like really happy that I'm here, that I'm giving like attention to them, and then some people are like, ugh, I just want Scott and and I want his like a uh, pessimistic attitude towards these because that one's lame. Like I'm probably gonna laugh at dad jokey ones. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm watching you, Winkowski. Always watching. Okay. Is that uh, Monsters, Inc.? I think that is Monsters, Inc. Okay. I would walk her 500 miles. Yeah, I'm over, though, that one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't like Sandy. It's coarse, rough, and irritating. Apparently, These that's... are, like, long. These are, like, he's going full stretches, like, sentences. That's okay. Star Wars? I, I don't... I don't know. Do you know where that's from? I don't know. Uh, it's, like, Sandy. Star Wars it's prequel? Cool. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. Shed long farewells off Weemers and goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) Shed long. We got a Tyler Wells in there and a Jeff Weemer. Uh, Jeff Weemer. I was just Uh, thinking about uh, Joey Weemer. I was just thinking about Shed long just the other day. I don't think he's, I think he's coaching right now. I'm not sure he's playing baseball, but I loved Shed. I absolutely loved him in the minors and these are great names, but the winner is uh, still, what was my winner? It's the very top one. It was the, oh, Yuri, mean one, Mr. Hinch. That's my winner, personally. There you go. From Jeff, we appreciate it. And we are going to wrap there. Welsh, enjoy your little mini vacation. We appreciate it. Uh, For the Welsh, I am Frank. Thanks, as always, for tuning in to Fantasy Baseball today. Please make sure to follow and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.